0: hey guys Hello. Uh, this is the deal this is the deal it's our second episode and as you can see Lori here is with us today so we'll be uh, chatting with her a little bit more uh, talking about her background and kind of the state of the business here in Massachusetts
1: looking forward to uh, collaborating with you guys let's get started let's do it it's difficult to know if a company is operating with corporate responsibility especially companies in the marijuana business The Deal Podcast is a socially responsible, marijuana influence network sharing value in topics from urban affairs, entertainment, and traveling. If you are an experienced user who grew up around the culture, or if you are just trying to keep up with marijuana legalization, this podcast is for you.
0: So welcome, everybody, to The Deal Podcast. Today, we're here with Lori, also the co-founder of Major Bloom, Hi, everybody. Yes, yes. So it's, it's us two, as mentioned, heading this podcast. And super excited to take on the second uh, episode here. So fair warning, we're sitting in my vehicle right now. <laughs> just got out of a, uh, got out of a meeting um, and, you know, just chopping it up a bit. And uh, today's topic we want to touch on uh, social equity, economic empowerment in the state of Massachusetts or even in the nation. Some of the problems that we're running into, some of the statistics that we're running into, and really just uh, breaking down what we think, um, kind of how we envision it, especially as economic empowerment, uh, business owners and certificate holders to the state. So it means a lot. It means a lot. At the same time, you know, we definitely want to be transparent about the business. So. Um, the first statistic I want to start with is that currently in Massachusetts, six percent of employees in the industry are of color. Um, so that is a relatively no- low number. You would agree? Extremely low. Right, right. And con-
2: considering that the vast majority of the individuals rotting behind bars right now are black and brown men and women.
0: Right. Right. So, and that's that's the number of employees. And um, we were just kind of chatting before this that. The ownership numbers is low. It's even lower. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's probably, if not 99%, you know what I mean? The opposite, if not 100%. Right, it's very low it's in Massachusetts very, right now. Very low, very low. Um, so, yeah, I mean, with Lori um, ha- being a lawyer, uh, you know, working in the field for two to three years after law school, you know, she kind of found uh, a different way in terms of a passion that really hit with her. And, you know, I was hoping that she can kind of share with us kind of how, how we got here and where you know the industry or the market Massachusetts is, is heading in terms of economic empowerment and social social uh, economic opportunities.
2: Right so I think that in Massachusetts we did have um, the legislature try to implement social equity which I will commend them because every state isn't doing that and as part of this equity program they are going to be providing classes to educate people so that they will be qualified when they appear for these job interviews to, to be employed. But the social equity program, for reasons beyond my understanding, has been extended till June. The fact that dispensaries are opening um, currently is important is that that means that there are a bunch of people who are relying on the social equity program to receive the required training Who will not be trained in time for the jobs that are currently available and what's what that's effectively doing is locking those particular individuals out of the employment market and so the way that I've tried to combat that is by through a consulting company that I own I host events educational events and I partner with um, community Uh, organizers (coughs) pardon me who are already in the industry trying to implement these educational programs to teach um, about the regulations best practices just so I can ensure that there's some level of of information that is currently out there and available for individuals who are waiting for um, the social equity program to get started in order to receive it
0: Right, right. so when you talk about some of the uh, entities that are you know kind of going through the process now and slated to open, those really aren't part of the economic or even social programs around the state.
2: Right. Many of those companies that are initially opening are uh, RMDs, which are registered marijuana dispensaries, who are already operating in Massachusetts before uh, adult use became legalized.
0: Okay. So. What what would you say the if uh, three three points? What are what are the main differences between the RMD process and the the recreational process? Now,
2: um, the RMD process requires you to have half a million dollars in li- liquid assets in order for you to even apply for a license. The adult use. Um, uh, market uh, requires you to show proof of funds but it doesn't have a dollar amount attached to it Okay. so that's one of the largest it pr- uh, differences another difference is the medical um, the medical regulations allow you to have a vertically integrated model so it rec- so with the rmd license you can cultivate you can manufacture products you can retail and you can also deliver um, in the adult use regulations the licenses have been divided into individual uh, activities, so you have a retail license, you have a delivery license, and you can apply for all those licenses individually. Right. Um, also, the last thing that's very important is medical regulations do not put a cap on the square footage of the canopy of the cultivation facility. So, conceivably. Um, you're limited to three cultivation locations, but you can conceivably have a canopy size that exceeds 100,000 square feet. In the adult use um, regulations, you're capped at 100,000 square feet.
0: Wow, okay. So, in in terms of the size when RMD is cultivating and even the vertically integrated, I guess pretty much what we see now is that a lot of these places are stocking up on inventory, essentially. Um, And with that being said, there there is something written in the law in terms of rec that if you're not using all your canopy or you're not selling all your canopy then you have to taper back. Is that the same for for RMDs as well? No. Okay. All right, that's that's good to know. Right. <laughs> um and I and I know you and I we've had some conversations about about quality, right? So these guys might be producing uh you know, mass amounts and sitting on it and you know, one of the big things is in Massachusetts is, a, is the cooperative as well, and the craft. And the craft. Can you talk a little bit about that and how that relates to um, the retail compared to medical?
2: So the craft cooperatives are designed to um, engender people working together um, in order to establish these these uh, businesses. The craft cooperative, marijuana cooperative license does not allow you to retail. What it does allow you to do is to have an unlimited number of locations from which you can cultivate. Um, you're still kept at 100,000 square feet. One of For you craft? For craft, craft yeah. Okay. And you have to, one of you have to have filed taxes as a farmer. So one has to be farmer and then there are uh, residential uh, restrictions. Okay. Um, you also have to abide by the cooperative principles. It's something that, the state is really pushing right. because they want individuals to get together and for there to be massive ownership to kind of break down the traditional pyramid structure. Um, More
0: like industry. Yeah. Industrial mm-hmm. makes mm-hmm. sense.
2: And a lot of in a lot of grassroots organizers are helping people right. um, develop these co co-op ops. Right.
0: So that that goes for all you farmers out there. You know, if you do own a farm in Massachusetts, you know there's uh there's an avenue for you. There's an avenue for you. So the other thing that, you know, we wanted to touch on um, is, is the fact that Lori, she went to Suffolk University and had the opportunity to teach probably one of the first cannabis classes, if not the first.
2: Uh, it's one of the first. one of the first. One
0: of the first. It's the first at Suffolk. The f- it's the first at Suffolk? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Yo, yeah. Did you hear that? The fucking first. She's a fucking pioneer here. That's it. <laughs> Man, that's crazy. That's crazy. So yeah, let's let's talk a little bit about that experience. I had the pleasure of meeting some of your students. Uh, very enthusiastic about the process and kind of what we're going through for Major Bloom Um, but yeah just uh, let's hear a little bit about the content and right so
2: when I was first starting out in the marijuana industry I sought out the help of a lot of consultants many of whom I am sad to say were not as qualified as they as their prices led me to believe And and I identified a dearth of really great service and really well trained attorneys in the industry that weren't prov- that weren't providing services that were cost prohibitive for those who would be social equity and economic empowerment gotcha. applicants.
0: So just to circle back there, you're saying that you've met a lot of good attorneys.
2: I've met good attorneys but, but they're, they're expensive. Price. Okay, I got you. And I've met a lot of people who are expensive right who didn't have the qualifications to earn that amount. Right. So there's a tax on even people who shouldn't be providing services of that caliber and so I decided that I'm going to fix it by training attorneys right to how to operate um, in this industry so I cr- I developed a course I pitched it to the Dean and the Dean liked it and he allowed me to teach the course
0: wow wow, that's amazing yeah. you guys heard it here I, I mean I don't even think I knew that <laughs> as long as we've been working together I didn't realize that it was the first you know it so is. that's that's really special uh, I know we had talked about before that you're not doing it this semester.
2: No, I'm not doing it this semester. It's it. It takes a long time. Right. And you know, with our business moving the way that it is, I think it was better that I take this time off. I will probably teach again in the fall. Right. Um, I heard that a lot of students are very upset that the class is not being offered in the spring. <laughs> right. Right.
0: Man. <laughs> Well, that makes, I mean, if you do it once once a semester, you're just building up anticipation. Right, <laughs> yeah. right.
2: Hopefully, though, I, what I would like is for, so I have two interns that I took on from the course. And hopefully, I can do this thing where I teach in the fall and they teach in the spring.
0: Right, right. Because okay. they're,
2: they're seniors, so it'll be done. Wow. And as of now, they're probably the, some of the most knowledgeable people in the industry right now when it comes to regulation in, in Massachusetts. So.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. That's that's really exciting. I think uh, you know you hear it from me often. I'm grateful to have a partner like you. Same. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> and it's just uh, it's just really special to be in an opportunity and, and really be methodical about how we're how we're making moves here. Um, and, and and with us, I mean, you know, you you're kind of heading us on on the, on the legal front and taking care of a lot of the uh, the you know the legal work up front that I don't even I don't even know about, <laughs> right? um... so the the question is especially for 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 us and other businesses as economic empowerment how do we provide access to disenfranchised folks disenfranchised communities and still be profitable as a business so how, how do you have social responsibility as a business but still be profitable so that's the question that we're we're trying to answer for right. and the problem that we're trying to solve for so i'd love to hear your 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 feedback your ideology on, on, on that
2: i mean it, it's very difficult because you want to offer services for free. And for someone like me who deals with ideas and thoughts, people think they can just come and ask me questions and think that um, they're entitled to receive a response, which right. actually has a dollar amount attached to it. So I run that issue a lot. And the way that I, I approach it is, is, is a, has a different, uh, a number of levels to it. First, I team up with companies that are providing um, s- these services to se- social equity applicants and those have been marginalized. And I, pr- and I teach for free. Um, another thing that I do is I, I realize that as business owners, you have to be radical with your approach to social equity. You kind of have to put your money where your mouth is, so it might hurt you a little bit, but not so much where you're not going to be um, profitable. What I mean by that is whenever I get a contractor or I get someone desiring to th- that's that I employ their services, First thing I do is I flip through who who the owners are right if the owners have no one who look like me that's already a strike one right then I look at their uh, plans for social for social equity what are they doing in their communities if they're not helping anybody you're not getting my business and I think that in 2019 businesses have to be radical when it comes to social equity we have to refuse to work with companies that do not support our ideas and our values and if you have to pay a little bit more for a company like that well, Major Bloom says so be it. Right. Because we, we, it's, it's now time for us to stop adhering to the old capitalist structures that have kept our people under financial restraints and kept us in the same low financial economic bracket that we've been in forever. Right. It's time that we start advocating for... Our for all those people who have been marginalized by demanding that all of our contractors also hold the same values that we do. Wow. If you don't think like me then we can't then you can't get money from me.
0: Right. That's that's powerful. That's the bottom line. No, no, I think you're spot on and it's just to pinpoint what you're saying here is that even as consumers I mean, consumers should be doing the research on right. who they're buying from. That's exactly. that's what I'm hearing. You know, if you go on someone's website and you know they don't have these programs, or you do some research on you know who those investors are, who those uh, stakeholders are, who the executive teams is basically, you want to make sure that they're good people. And if they're not uh, positively impacting the community, then you shouldn't be spending your dollars exactly. there. Exactly, I agree with that. Um, this is kind of off the cuff what I'm about to ask you though. Go ahead. <laughs> Gucci, you heard about this I have Yeah. Heard of Gucci. <laughs> what what about uh
2: Well, I'm surprised that people are are, are still shocked. Buying. Uh, okay. I'm surprised uh, that people right. are shocked. Right. The thing is Gucci has been margin- has been right. profiting and benefiting off black culture right. since their inception. Right. Yet they've marginalized us with their prices and they clearly don't like the fact that we use their products cuz right. in their mind it reduces the value of their brand right yet they use our artists to promote the value of their of right. their companies right. so i'm not shocked and i personally think it's time for us to stop buying comp- buying the products just because they represent um luxury, a, a, a luxury.
0: Or, right because a certain status
2: yeah because what because what's happening is that people are basing their self-worth on the capacity to amass wealth and demonstrating that they've amassed that wealth, it shows that they're important right what people need to realize is your importance comes from who you intrinsically are and the values that you hold so if you're a person who's claiming that you're pro you're pro equity you're pro everything and they're black luxury brands you can go to nigeria and ghana and get amazing beautiful clothing right Okay, there are That's black powerful. and brown artists every day creating clothes. I get custom-made clothes in my neighborhood right. from this African woman, and I and I will Hyde Park by the Hyde way, way. <laughs> and I literally do not care about a brand because right. your brand is basically has its own value system. Right, and half these people I don't adhere to your value system. I don't.
0: You guys heard it here first. We we're making a strong correlation between you know what's going on in the marijuana industry specifically in the Massachusetts market and to, to gucci <laughs> basically you know just understand the the responsibility of a corporation um and we really want to be able to take a look at um the disenfranchise i mean we have to like we we have to uh, us me and her as color people as black people as african americans in in america you know in this industry we we there's no reason there's no way that we could you know progress without looking at the social impact exactly um so i know it's kind of off the cuff like correlation with Gucci, they're operating their luxury brand, but enlighten some of the more recent scenarios here where they've straight up disrespected right. color people, <laughs> <laughs> which is fucked and up. I also you know?
2: think that what's what's annoying to me also as an attorney is whenever something has a black face to it, they expect it to be discounted. Now, I am one of the top marijuana attorneys in the state. I mean, let's just... We can almost say the, because, the country. Because <laughs> there are many of us around, right? right. And so... People will go to a white man and he'll say, he'll charge them X amount. They will not argue. I step to them, well, can you give me a discount? What about, but, but you're not arguing with the white people. Right. So you're you paying. need to stop undervaluing. Things that are produced and manufactured by black people. Right. And if there's a, a, a black and brown brother and sister who's creating art, don't go there asking them for no discount. Right. That right. is undervaluing you and our people. You actually as should tip them as a consumer you should a consumer. actually tip them. Right. Because they have to overcome racism to get to where they right, are. Right. <laughs> okay. And if they're what they have to overcome sexism, if they're LGBTQ, that they over all these adversities had to be overcome in addition. To raise, in addition to just trying to be operating as a business within right. the state or wherever you are. So, yeah, tip them. That's I mean, game, yeah. guys.
0: That's game. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> seriously. Um, wow. So that that's very powerful. And I, I think, you know, part of what we're doing here is just opening the dialogue um, and, and just, just being honest and being transparent. So. Um, what do, what else do you think, Lori? Any anything else for this for this episode or um, any last last thoughts?
2: I think my last thoughts are always this. I would need everyone to be honest with who they are and take actions that are authentically rooted in your values. Do not try to ascend to values of things that are outside of you. For example, saying I need to have Gucci to show that I have wealth so that I can amass value. No, know that the value is you. You don't have to add anything else to this planet but being yourself. And the more people who understand that your value is in your particular perspective and not really aligning your perspective to other people this world will become a better place and so my only advice is let's remain rooted in in our authenticity
0: authenticity we like it that's what we're about here at major bloom that's and green light solutions boom, boom. as you guys heard Lori, uh you know she is a lawyer and she does provide uh, law services to other businesses as well so um, that's 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 the. Movement I'll amend. Here. I'll say consulting services. Consulting services. What a, did I what did I say? Law. Law, law I services. I don't technically
2: <laughs> practice law anymore. Got you. Got I, you. Uh, <laughs> I oversee the entire process of licensing. I have right. licensed attorneys on my team. Right. Who, who right. To do the
0: legal work. Right. And it's it's not it's not easy to to make this happen in in the marijuana market right. without it. So as I always say, I'm super grateful to partner with her. Same. And, you know, this is a platform just to tell our story, and we're doing this because no one else is doing it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, we if don't get a don't fuck about You don't say narrative, they'll say Right, exactly. We don't they'll, they'll paint us as right. these
2: poor little black people right. trying to struggle. We're right. poor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I'm not talking about financial. We're nah, talking we're talk- about in terms right. of spirit, right. in terms rich. of ingenuity, rich. in terms of our friendships and Rich. Response- yeah.
0: All rich. All rich.
2: And so I don't like that narrative of these right. struggling economic like empowerment applicants that we were victims of a system no nah, we're right, right. conquerors and that's what we want people to see and that's the energy that I want to awaken in other people that they're conquerors don't let the narrative of victimhood be yours
0: right you guys heard it here first. This Boom. is the second episode. That's it. Oh, man. We're excited. <laughs> so we will uh, we'll check in probably in a few more weeks That's, here. Yeah. And we'll give we'll you keep, an update. Yeah. Keep it going. Keep it going. So much love to you guys. And thank you to Lori, of course.
2: You're welcome. Thank you.
0: Absolutely. For All right. the opportunity. No, nah, no. Nah, we'll keep it going. We'll keep it going. So um, we'll talk to you guys soon. All right. Peace.
1: Bye. co-host she is a cannabis law professor and a boston corporate attorney with expertise in licensing and intellectual property she is a martial arts instructor and an entrepreneur laurie lucian also your co-host he has been involved with the industry since 2005 and has been expelled from two universities but holds an mba he is a sales and management professional ulysses youngblood Together, Lori and Ulysses are the founders of Major Bloom, a thought-leading marijuana distribution company based in the heart of Massachusetts.